Okay, we're glad you're here today. Welcome. We want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online as well. We're glad to have you always. Now, this is a big crowd of people in here, and I saw a lot of you standing on the sidewalk as I came back here, and you were greeting me and asking me how I was doing. And I t What did I tell you? I am so much better than I look. That's what I told you when I came in. <laughs> but anyway, we're glad that you're here. we got a good crowd today, and, and we're talking about what? What are we talking about? perspective. Last week we began a new series. This is the second week and we talked about how you can look at things. You ever talk to a crowd of people and maybe they look at things differently than you do? You look at it one way, they look at it another way. Yeah, that happens all the time, doesn't it? Well, let me tell you what happened. A few weeks ago, my, I have type 2 diabetes, and I had a sugar episode because I wasn't taking uh, my blood sugar because I had not been told to. I was taking medication, but I had this episode. My doctor was out of town. I had to go to urgent care. They sent me to an endocrinologist, and he put me on new medicine. And so now I'm checking my blood sugar every morning and every night, and I'm trying to get in shape, right? So I'm eating the right foods, and, and I'm doing uh, the blood sugar deal, and then you have to exercise. Now, I wish they'd told us years ago that diet and exercise could affect your body. Why didn't they explain this to us a long time ago? Because nobody, did you know? Nobody knew. I've never heard that. And so here's the deal. Uh, my wife went behind my back. And she went down to Sequence, uh, this workout place, and she hired this personal trainer for the two of us to go to class. We had five sessions with this personal trainer, and she's a little bitty thing. She's like 5'3". She's really, she's a little sadistic woman, and, but anyway... <laughs> But anyway, so we went to, to our, our, our personal training event. Okay, so then it's like going to see my granddaughter who's three. Because every time I go see this woman, she says, get down on the floor. That's what she tells me. We just, and I say, you know, we only have an hour and I've got to get back up. So you think that's going to happen in this time frame? So anyway, she has all these exercises. I think she just stays up at night and thinks up things that will hurt me. And, and then she comes in, and she just laughs when she makes me do it. And so you know, all these different exercises, you would never think of these things. And here's the thing. She is a gymnast. I am not. So it's really not fair for a gymnast to be teaching this old preacher anything, okay? Because she's just limber. She can do anything. So she gets down and she says, okay, here's what we're going to do. And she shows us how to do the next exercise because she's just moving from one to another, buddy. She just, you got an hour and I'm, I'm looking, you know, for the clock going, is this ever going to end? And so she'll give you this exercise to do, right? And so when I'm looking at her, it really looks easy. From that perspective, I'm going, that can't be that hard. It's so easy. And look how time is just flying by while she's doing it. And then she gives the device to me, and she says, it's your turn, big boy. And then she says, you got to do this for 30 seconds. And I'm going, 30 seconds is like a year and a half doing this. And I'm dying. I mean, I'm dying. And, you know, and she's saying, hang in there. Come on. You can do it. And she's counting down, you know. You, hey, don't give up. Keep going. Oh, good job. Good job, she says. And I say, I don't like you very much. So yesterday I was there. It was the third time we went. 
And when I left, I noticed that my back was beginning to talk to me about the issues it was having in the lower regions there. And so I got to the truck and I got home and I had to get ice and I had to get this cream stuff that Laura had to put on me and I had to sit there in the chair all day long. <laughs> I couldn't do anything. And last night I still had the ice. I, got, I had to empty the water, put more ice in, go back. And I was taking ibuprofen and let's just say I'm happy to be here today, okay? <laughs> Standing upright because it's still not quite right. Now we're moving this week, okay? Everybody say, oh, yeah. So I'm down in my back. Do you know any students who don't have anything to do this week? Wednesday afternoon, we're going to sign the lease, and then we're going to move a lot of loose little things, but there's a lot of them. And then we're going to move uh, the big heavy stuff, the two men in a truck, except we got four men in two trucks are coming Thursday, and we're going to double up on it, okay, because they're expensive, and we're going to let them move the big furniture. I can only live in points. I live in Bay Point. I'm moving to Breakfast Point. So I'm going from one point to the other. That's what I'm doing. But here's the point. Um, you know, <laughs> see that segue there? See how I did that? That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, thank you for that. I want to thank both of you for that there. That's great. So here's the deal. Um, when you're watching the person who's, who is working on you do the exercises, it's easy. But when you've got to do it, it's different. So today we're going to talk about perspective and how we have different perspectives about things. Now, let me just share with you earlier in my life uh, an example I thought the bigger the organization, I thought the more the leader had to do. But that's not actually true. I heard a mentor say, and I learned this years ago, actually, the bigger the organization becomes, the less the leader should do. What you do, it affects a lot more people, but you're very intentional, and, and you have to learn to delegate. And I didn't know how to do that, so I had to learn to do that. And you can ask my staff, I've learned that technique. I, yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> I have mastered that. I have that down. I don't have to work on that anymore. I know how to delegate, and I do. Another example I learned was that I thought success was accomplishing things and moving forward. And then I heard a mentor say, the definition of success is this. You might want to write this down. Success is when those who know you best love and respect you the most. That's success. Because if you're working with people, you've got to have their respect. If you're going to lead them, you've got to be honest. You know, one of the things you have to learn to do is say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I messed up. Please forgive me. That goes a long way with people, doesn't it? You know, if you're never wrong, who wants to work with you, right? Well, you're never wrong, you know. Nobody wants that, right? And so you have to do that. Now, success isn't so much what you do. Success is who you are, okay? So as a person, if you want to be successful, you've got to be the right kind of person. It's not just what you accomplish or what you do. Now, the Apostle Paul, we said this last week, he had this love relationship with the people at Philippi. He started the church, and they were very close to him. In fact, some people think it was his favorite church. And so he usually made his own living, a tent maker, but on this occasion, he needed some help financially, and this church, because they loved him, they took up this love offering, and they sent it to him, and so Philippians is a thank you note. He's writing a thank you note to the people at Philippi to say, I just want to thank you 
for the way that you've, you've loved me. I mean, he really felt moved. It wasn't just the money, but it was even the thought that they did it, that they cared about him, that they were concerned about his welfare and his well-being. And so he just wanted to say, I am so grateful for y'all. You mean the world to me. You, you just make all the difference. And so when you read that, he talks about a lot of different things, but there are like 16 references to the mind in Philippians. The mind, okay? It's talking about thinking. It's talking about remembering. It's talking about your attitude and how you look at things. And I want to talk about a different way of thinking and a changed perspective because the Apostle Paul, we said last week, where was he? He was in jail. And yet he's writing this letter of encouragement to everyone. He's facing potential death, execution. And yet, what's he doing? He's focused on other people. And he's saying, I'm good. You know, and I'm just so grateful for your support of me, and I want to encourage you. And so Philippians says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and one Mind. Now, why is he saying that to the people there? Well, because there was some division in the church. People weren't seeing things from the same perspective. He wanted the church to be unified. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. And so he says, you need to be like-minded. You need to have the same mind. You need to be united. You need to get together in order to be the church God has called you to be. And the Greek word he uses for like-minded means to set your affection on or to be single Minded, to be very focused, to be similar in your thoughts. Now, why does that matter? In Scripture, there's an awful lot about thoughts. Have you ever thought about this? Your thought life and, and your thinking, there's a lot in Scripture about that. James says, a double-minded man, he says, is unstable in all he does. Paul says, I want you to be like-minded or single-minded. And Paul told the Romans, he said this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, okay? So he's talking about the way you think there, right? And then he goes on in Corinthians and he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive, what? Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And then to the Philippians, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever things are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. Don't think about the opposite of that, but think about these positive things. And then the last thing from Proverbs, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So you see how important your thoughts are? Your thoughts make all the difference because your thoughts then have an impact on what you do. You've got to think about it before you're going to do it, right? That can be a good thing or a bad thing. You can be thinking about good things and you can carry them out. You can be thinking about bad things and you can carry them out, right? So it's very important what we think. Now that leads us to point number one. How you think determines what you become. How you think determines what you become. Paul, now, everything's about Jesus. He says, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. 
He says, don't just think like each other. Think like Christ. Now, sometimes you can be around your peers and you can begin to listen to them and they can begin to influence you one way, you know, kind of like the world's thinking, right? But he says, don't, don't do that. Think for yourself and think the way Christ would think. In Philippians, Paul says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, why is that important? Well, you know, you think about Jesus. Can you be like Jesus? You know, I, I could never be as loving as him. I could never be as generous. I could never have as much grace as Jesus. I, I could never please the way he does. Think about that. How many of you drove here today? Anybody drive or ride in a car today? Then you, you had to drive on the road in Panama City Beach, right? While you were doing that, some of your other friends in the community were driving along. Were you thinking like Jesus? Were they thinking like Jesus when they pulled out in front of you? Hmm? It's kind of hard, isn't it? And so you're constantly having to change your thought pattern, aren't you, to be more like that. So here's the deal. Number two, if you think like Jesus thought, you'll live like Jesus lived. Okay? Now, how did Jesus think? He was all the time thinking, how can I please God? How can I love people? What's the most important command? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? So it's all about pleasing God and loving people, and sometimes we don't want to please God and love people, right? Sometimes we want to run over the person who pulled out in front of us, don't we? Yes, and so we have to rein that in. Be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Okay, but let me rethink that. I'm going the wrong direction here. Think like Jesus, live like Jesus. And then Paul says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Right? You know, a lot of times people think that they have to think about themselves. They have to promote themselves. They have to really be all about themselves to accomplish anything in life. But the Greek word translated as humility means modesty, humility of mind, lowliness of mind. Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but being hum hum humble. In other words, I choose to position myself lower than others. I'm focused on them. And then it says in verses 4 and 5, um, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, attitude, here's what you learn about attitude. Little things can make a big difference. If you've got the right attitude, a little thing can make a big difference. And there's a lot of good things about positive attitude. Let me give you an example of this, okay? Let's say, students, let's say that you are in the lower half of your class. And half the people are doing better than you, okay? They're in, the, they're in the top half of the class. You're in the lower half of the class. How do you feel about that? Hmm? Well, I'm here to help you today. <laughs> because I was once in college, and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And so I took five years to get a four-year degree. And while I was working on that, I had five different majors. Hi. How are you? 
I minored in religion, but, but I was taking all these different things because I was fighting going into the ministry. And so at the end of three years and four different majors, I left Middle Tennessee State University, and I, I answered the call of the ministry, and I transferred to Huntington College in Montgomery, Alabama. And then I was in the upper half of the class. I made really good grades. I graduated. I went on to graduate school. I did the same thing. Now, here's my point. Whether you're in the top half of your class or the lower half of your class, you can have a positive attitude. I'm going to show you how. I did it. You can do it too. When you're in the lower half of your class, which is where I was at Middle Tennessee, you know what my attitude was? If it weren't for me, there wouldn't be a top half of the class. <laughs> you ought to thank me. I, you wouldn't exist if it weren't for me. I am the reason that you can celebrate who you are and how well you're doing today because I'm really not doing well at all. That's the truth. So you can have a great attitude about it. If it weren't for me, you'd be nothing, nothing, just vapor. You wouldn't even be here, right? And so, if you've got the lower half of your class, just have a positive attitude. It might make a difference. You might get up in the upper half. That's where I ended up, okay? You've got to have a positive attitude. It's like the kid who, who's out in his backyard by himself. And he says, I am the greatest batter in the world. And he throws the ball up, and he takes a swing, and he missed the ball. It doesn't phase him. He picks the ball up. He throws it up. I'm the greatest. He swings again and misses. Third time, he throws the ball up. He swings. He misses a third time. He says, not only am I the greatest batter in the world, I'm also the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> Striking myself out right here. Yeah. It just depends on your attitude. It makes a difference. Now, your habits... <laughs> Are you ready to move on? Now, your habits, you know, you can acquire habits. You can have good habits or you can have bad habits, can't you? So if you've got bad habits, you might want to change those and you might want to have good habits. Paul said we should all have a Christ-like attitude. So in verse 5, he says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And then he goes on and says, though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took an humble position as a slave and was born a human being. And here's what I want you to see. God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are the Trinity. They're all God, right? And yet, he looks at the Father as greater than he is. He said, I'm not trying to be God I'm just trying to be the son of God. That's who I'm trying to be. Now, here's the deal. What did Lucifer do? Lucifer was an angel in heaven, and he said, I want to be God. I want to be on the same level as God. I want to be in charge. And when he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, as he spoke to Eve first, what, what, was, he, what was his pitch? He said, if you'll eat this, you can be as wise as or as great as God. He used the same lie that he used on himself, he used on them, so that you can be God. And the scripture is saying, you don't need to try to be God. You're not God, okay? In fact, it's a sin to try to be God. Now, you can try to be like God. You can follow his example, but you're never going to be God. So this equality thing, you're not in competition with God. You're just trying to follow him. And often we think, i got to be great, right? 
you think, I've got to promote myself. It's all about my Facebook friends or my Instagram friends. I have to be a self-promoter. We just got through elections at annual conference. There were some people who got elected as delegates, and they worked really, really, really hard to promote themselves. I mean, they worked hard. Not everybody, not everybody who got elected did that, but some of them really worked on it. And he says it's not about self-promotion. It's about self-abandonment, which leads us to number three. Pleasing God is not about self-promotion. It's about self-abandonment. Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. It's not something we're trying to work for. And so he said equality with God is not something we should try to get. It's something we should try to get away from. Equality with God is not something to be grasped. In other words, we lose our life in Christ to find Christ's life in us. Jesus, who was God, stripped himself of everything to come to earth and to serve you and me, people who were sinning against him. And he had every right to be praised, but he got down and washed the disciples' feet. Now, when God created the world, what did he create the world out of? Nothing. <laughs> he, he reached down, took some dirt, you know, formed a man out of that, right? Did you ever hear about the guy who thought he could he could take God on and he could create a man too. He said, God, I can create a man just like you did. And God says, okay, you go first. And so the guy reaches down, he picks up some dirt, and God says, oh, no, no. You got to get your own dirt. <laughs> right? So, so you really can't do things on the level God does. Here's the deal. As long as you are nothing, God can make something out of you. That's the truth now. You think, wait a minute, I don't want to be nothing, but that's really the truth. Because he made, he made mankind out of nothing. As long as you are nothing, he can do something. It's when you get this, this big head, this attitude that you're better than everybody else, this attitude that you don't need God. There's not a lot he can do with you then because you're not open, are you? You're not listening. You're not allowing him to work in your life. When you start thinking of yourself higher than you ought to, then there's not much God can do with you. So when Paul introduced himself to the people of Philippi, he said, I'm just a servant. I'm just here to serve you. And that word is like translated slave or servant. Now, let me tell you the definition of that. One who is permanently devoted to do the will of another. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you permanently devoted to do the will of somebody else? We're supposed to be servants. We're supposed to serve like Christ. But we spend more time thinking about us and what we want than we think about other people. It's not about me. It's about self-abandonment. Number four says, serving is not what I do. Serving is who I am. Serving is who I am. The problem is we want other people to serve us. So we don't go to church to serve because we serve because we're a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And I want you to follow my example. And in verses 8 through 11, it says this, And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, and becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What did he do? He gave up his life for you and me. And then it goes on and says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that is the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord 
the glory of God the Father. That didn't come by him just going around and barking out orders. That came by him serving. And God says, you know, when you're a servant, then that's when I can use you the most. And that's what he did. He made himself nothing so that he could take care of you and me. Now I'm going to read some verses from, from the scriptures here to you just to think. Because this is what the Apostle Paul said as he was being in prison and facing possible execution. He said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He said, I consider my wor life worth nothing to me if only I may do the will of God. He said, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. And then he said this, in house arrest, he said, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He could say, you need to think like me. Paul was thinking like Jesus, and that's the way he wants us to think. Now, the last thing, number five. My joy isn't based on what happens to me, but what God is doing in and through me. And it says, but even if I am poured out, like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. In other words, if I'm just giving my life up to service to you, that's where I want to be. And so I'm here to glorify God, and he says, I'm not going to stop until the day I die. That's his attitude. Now listen, if you read this carefully and you look at the Apostle Paul, what you begin to see is that it's not easy to be like Paul. Because Paul's trying to be like Jesus, and it's certainly not easy to be like Jesus. But that's a lifetime of us rethinking things. It's a lifetime of us being sensitive to what he wants us to be and to do. It's a lifetime of us being willing to focus on God and others more than we focus on ourselves. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you for the words of Paul. And we pray that we would not only remember them, but we would put them into action. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.